Before the Fellowship was the greatest story you've never heard. I'm Cameron. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. Join us as we read and react to The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. Last time, we continued Chapter 19. Baron and Luthien reached the gate of Angband, which is guarded by Karkaroth, a terrible werewolf raised by Morgoth himself. Luthien put Karkaroth to sleep, and they made their way into the throne room of Morgoth. Morgoth lusted after her. And Wait, is it Karkaroth? Okay, that's correct. That's correct. Because yeah. I, I was thinking if it's a soft Kar- Karsharoth, and then when I got to Morgoth, I imagined it was Morjoth. <laughs> Morjosh. <laughs> oh. Morgoth lusted after her, and Luthien took advantage of this moment to cast her cloak over him and set on him a powerful dream. His iron crown fell off, and Baron cut one of the Silmarils free. He attempted to take another, but his knife broke and awakened Morgoth. Baron and Luthien fled and encountered Karkaroth outside the gate. Baron attempted to ward him off with the Silmaril, but Karkaroth bit off his hand with the Silmaril and fled. Baron was near death when Thorondor and the eagles came and bore Baron and Luthien to Gondolin. Luthien and Huan slowly healed Baron. Dark times fell upon Doriath with Luthien absent. Thingol heard rumor that Finrod and Baron were dead and that Luthien was to be wed to Kelegorm. He was enraged and sent out spies, even thinking to make war against Nagathrond. But he learned that Kelegorm and Curifin had been banished from there. Kokoroth, with the Silmaril still inside him, broke through the girdle of Melian and terrorized Doriath. Today we continue chapter 19, beginning on page 184 of the second edition. Even in that dark hour, Baron and Luthien returned, hastening from the west, and the news of their coming went before them like a sound of music borne by the wind into dark houses where men sit sorrowful. They came at last to the gates of Menegroth, and a great host followed them. Then Baron led Luthien before the throne of Thingol, her father. And he looked in wonder upon Baron, whom he had thought dead. But he loved him not, because of the woes that he had brought upon Doriath. But Baron knelt before him and said, I return according to my word. I am come now to claim my own. And Thingol answered, What of your quest and of your vow? But Baron said, It is fulfilled. Even now a Silmaril is in my hand. Then Thingol said, Show it to me. And Baron put forth his left hand, slowly opening its fingers, but it was empty. Then he held up his right arm, and from that hour he named himself Camlost, the empty-handed. Then Thingol's mood was softened, And Baron sat before his throne upon the left, and Luthien upon the right. And they told all the tale of the quest, while all there listened and were filled with amazement. And it seemed to Thingol that this man was unlike all other mortal men, and among the great in Arda. And the love of Luthien, a thing new 
and strange. And he perceived that their doom might not be withstood by any power of the world. Therefore, at the last he yielded his will, and Baron took the hand of Luthien before the throne of her father. But now a shadow fell upon the joy of Doriath at the return of Luthien the fair. For learning of the cause of the madness of Karkaroth, the people grew the more afraid, perceiving that his danger was fraught with dreadful power because of the holy jewel, and hardly might be overthrown. And Baron, hearing of the onslaught of the wolf, understood that the quest was not yet fulfilled. Therefore, since daily Karkaroth drew nearer to Menegroth, they prepared the hunting of the wolf. Of all pursuits of beasts whereof tales tell the most perilous. To that chase went Huan the Hound of Valinor, and Mablung of the Heavy Hand, and Baleg Strongbow, and Baron Erkamion, and Thingol, King of Doriath. They rode forth in the morning and passed over the river Escalduin, but Luthien remained behind at the gates of Menegroth. A dark shadow fell upon her, and it seemed to her that the sun had sickened and turned black. The hunters turned east and north, and following the course of the river they came at last upon Kakaroth the wolf in a dark valley. Down the northern side whereof Escalduin fell in a torrent over steep falls. At the foot of the falls, Karkaroth drank to ease his consuming thirst, and he howled, and thus they were aware of him. But he, espying their approach, rushed not suddenly to attack them. It may be that the devil's cunning of his heart awoke, being for a moment eased of his pain by the sweet waters of Escalduin. And even as they rode towards him, he slunk aside into a deep break, and there lay hid. But they set a guard all about that place and waited, and the shadows grew long in the forest. Baron stood beside Thingol, and suddenly they were aware that Huan had left their side. Then a great baying awoke in the thicket, for Huan, becoming impatient and desiring to look upon this wolf, had gone in alone to dislodge him. But Karkaroth avoided him, and bursting from the thorns, leaped suddenly upon Thingol. Swiftly, Baron strode before him with a spear, but Karkaroth swept it aside and felled him, biting at his breast. In that moment, Huan leaped from the thicket upon the back of the wolf, and they fell together, fighting bitterly. And no battle of wolf and hound has been like to it, for in the baying of Huan was heard the voice of the horns of Arome and the wrath of the Valar. But in the howls of Kakaroth was the hate of Morgoth, and malice crueler than teeth of steel. And the rocks were rent by their clamor, and fell from on high and choked the falls of Isgalduin. There they fought to the death. But Thingol gave no heed, for he knelt by Baron, seeing that he was sorely hurt. Huan in that hour slew Kakaroth. But there, in the woven woods of Doriath, his own doom, long spoken, was fulfilled. And he was wounded mortally, 
and the venom of Morgoth entered into him. Then he came, and falling beside Baron, spoke for the third time with words, and he bade farewell before he died. Baron spoke not, but laid his hand upon the head of the hound, and so they parted. Mablong and Baleg came hastening to the king's aid, but when they looked upon what was done, they cast aside their spears and wept. Then Mablung took a knife and ripped up the belly of the wolf, and within he was well nigh all consumed as with fire, but the hand of Baron that held the jewel was yet incorrupt. But when Mablung reached forth to touch it, the hand was no more, and the Silmaril lay there unveiled and the light of it filled the shadows of the forest all about them. Then quickly and in fear, Mablung took it and set it in Baron's living hand, and Baron was aroused by the touch of the Silmaril, and held it aloft, and bade Thingol receive it. Now is the quest achieved, and my doom full wrought. And he spoke no more. They bore back Baron Camlost, son of Barahir, upon a bier of branches, with Huan the wolfhound at his side, and night fell ere they returned to Menegroth. At the feet of Hirolorn the great beech, Luthien, at the feet of Hirolorn the great beech, Luthien met them walking slow, and some bore torches beside the bier. There she set her arms about Baron, and kissed him, and bidding him await her beyond the western sea. And he looked upon her eyes ere the spirit left him. But the starlight was quenched, and darkness had fallen even upon Luthien to Nuviel. Thus ended the quest of the Silmaril. But the lay of Luthien, released from bondage, does not end. For the spirit of Baron at her bidding tarried in the halls of Mandos, unwilling to leave the world, until Luthien came to say her last farewell upon the dim shores of the outer sea, whence men that die set out never to return. But the spirit of Luthien fell down into darkness, and at the last it fled, and her body lay like a flower that is suddenly cut off and lies for a while unwithered on the grass. Then a winter, as it were the hoar age of mortal men, fell upon Thingol. But Luthien came to the halls of Mandos, where are the appointed places of the Eldali, beyond the mansions of the west, upon the confines of the world. There those that wait sit in the shadow of their thought. But her beauty was more than their beauty, and her sorrow deeper than their sorrows, and she knelt before Mandos and sang to him. The song of Luthien before Mandos was the song most fair that ever in words was woven, and the song most sorrowful that ever the world shall hear. Unchanged, imperishable, it is sung still in Valinor beyond the hearing of the world, and listening the Valar are grieved. For Luthien wove two themes of words, of the sorrow of the Eldar and the grief of men of the two kindreds that were made by Iluvatar to dwell in Arda, the kingdom of earth amid the innumerable stars, 
And as she knelt before him, her tears fell upon his feet like rain upon the stones. And Mandos was moved to pity, who never before was so moved, nor has been since. Therefore he summoned Baron, and even as Luthien had spoken in the hour of his death, they met again beyond the western sea. But Mandos had no power to withhold the spirits of men that were dead within the confines of the world, after their time of waiting, nor could he change the fates of the children of Iluvatar. He went, therefore, to Manwe, lord of the Valar, who governed the world under the hand of Iluvatar, and Manwe sought counsel in his inmost thought, where the will of Iluvatar was revealed. These were the choices that he gave to Luthien. Because of her labors and her sorrow, she should be released from Mandos and go to Valamar, there to dwell until the world's end among the Valar, forgetting all griefs that her life had known. Thither Baron could not come, for it was not permitted to the Valar to withhold death from him, which is the gift of Iluvatar to men. But the other choice was this, that she might return to Middle-earth and take with her Baron, there to dwell again, but without certitude of life or joy. Then she would become mortal and subject to second death, even as he. And ere long she would leave the world forever, and her beauty become only a memory and song. This doom she chose, forsaking the blessed realm, and putting aside all claim to kinship with those that dwell there, that thus whatever grief might lie in wait, the fates of Baron and Luthien might be joined, and their paths lead together beyond the confines of the world. So it was that alone of the Aldali she has died indeed, and left the world long ago. Yet in her choice the two kindreds have, have been joined, and she is the forerunner of many in whom the Eldar see yet, though all the world is changed, the likeness of Luthien the Beloved, whom they have lost. So in summary, Baron and Luthien return to Menegroth, and Baron reveals that he does not have a Silmaril. It's still in his hand. And Kakaroth, whose hand Baron is inside, who's, who has hit Baron's hand inside of him, is still wreaking havoc, and Baron and Thingol set off to hunt him. Baron is gravely wounded while defending Thingol, and Huan slays Kakaroth, but he is also mortally wounded. He speaks for the third and final time, bidding farewell to Baron before dying. Thingol's guards cut open Kakaroth and find Baron's hand with the Silmaril held within. Baron is brought back to Menegroth, and Luthien asks to wait for her beyond the western sea. He dies and her spirit leaves her body and comes to the halls of Mandos. She sings before him and moves him to pity. Manwe gives her two choices. Remain in Valmar and be healed of all her hurts, or return to Middle-earth with Baron and take on mortality. She chooses the latter and through this choice, the two kindreds are joined. Yeah, I feel like we just came to like a 
conclusive moment in the Silmarillion. Just like yeah. so many threads coming together and yeah, a sense of catharsis and conclusion here. What did you guys totally. think? Yeah, totally. Yeah, especially everything's, I mean, it's named the Silmarillion. It's the story of the Silmarils and like there's finally been the small victory for men and elves in, in reclaiming it. One of them. And then just the finality of Baron and Luthien's part of the story. I think there's something about that too. I don't know. I, I maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but one of the parts that I really appreciated in this text was right near the end, that last bit when, uh, when Manwe gives her the choice to stay in Valmar or to return to Middle Earth as a mortal. And I was thinking, well, okay, so it says the doom, this doom she chose forsaking the blessed realm. But I think in some ways, oh, I don't want to diminish her choice, but I think in some ways the blessed realm, it's not some utopia. Like Morgoth and Ingoliant laid waste to it at one point, you know, and so it's not like things would be perfect there. It's not incorruptible, she, maybe. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and But she does. But what it, what Manwe does say is that if you do return to Middle Earth, you will dwell there, but without certitude of life or joy. And I think that that part really stands out to me because I think that's kind of all of our lives. That's like part of the gift of Iluvatar to men. And it's it's true in our lives, too. We don't have certitude of life or joy in the future but we have this deep desire to just go continue on and to live and to pursue higher and greater things. It makes me think of marriage. Like um, at some point in marriage, it comes to like, well, do you, do you want to like seek your happiness and like go to this other land where you think you'll be fulfilled and kind of escape your responsibilities or, you know, I'd rather be with her than happy without her. You know, I, I would rather take the risk of spending my entire life with this person than to not yeah. have tried at all, you know? Yeah. And I do think in this case for, for, I mean, she's the one making the choice for herself, but for Baron, she, she is his joy. Like if he doesn't have her, he's <laughs> yeah, not going to have any joy in his life anyway. And I think she's at that point too, where it's, it's not really a choice to be made because you know, they they've their love is so strong and they've gone through so much together. Well, she has the option to forget her grief that in Valimar. Like she will forget all her griefs. But if she goes with Baron, she will remember all her all her griefs and probably attain to a lot more. <laughs> so it's a beautiful choice. Hmm. Is yeah. I yes, I mean he's a man, so he's gonna die even if he just died of natural age related things, he's gonna die a long time before her. It's it's an intense choice. Um his True. his fate though is I mean, he's missing a arm, hand rather. Um this last fight, did he get wounded in this last fight? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, almost, almost mortally wounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it? Is it not? No, he does eventually die from his wounds. <clears throat> That's right. Yeah. From Good point. Cut off. Yeah. So wait, where is that? Where's that part where it says it? I'm trying to find it. It's when it's when uh, Kark Karkaroth um, attacks Thingol, and so he rides up to him with the spear. This is the bottom of 185. But oh yes. Karkaroth swept it aside and felled him, biting at his breast. Yeah. And then it says later that like he. Um, so it's not just like in, in in her mind. It's like oh maybe this will will get a few decades of happiness together. <laughs> it's. Things aren't looking great. And that's yeah. a choice. But Baron is resurrected, would be resurrected in that second choice, right? Because, But he will die right. again a second Right, time. right, right. Because the other choice was return to Middle-earth and take with her Baron. Because Baron died, came to the halls of Mondos, mm. but he, he wouldn't leave. He's like waiting. It's like, I need... Luthien, that's what I'm missing. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like that's when the men missing. die, yeah. they pass through the halls of Mondos into death. Okay, but he lingered there waiting for Luthien. That's to come what I'm to missing. You. Okay, that something that just did not connect when we were reading it. Then got it. And then her song convinces Mondos to plead with Manwe to see if there's anything that can be done, and Manwe has to search his innermost thought to find the will of Iluvatar, which is you can actually be together, but it, it's not all, it's not all, you know, happy ending. Yeah. Hmm. That's what I was missing. Yeah. I, yeah there's, there's <clears throat> definitely a somber tone to the end of this. <clears throat> there's, there's something beautiful about it, but it's not like they lived happily ever after, you know? <laughs> No, but it, it's 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 a very it's rich, it's a great, great story. Speaking of Luthien's song, I love how he just describes what it's about. He doesn't give us any of the song, and it's still. Amazing. I'm glad I didn't have to sing, and because Dan did such a good job, and I'm glad. <laughs> I'm also glad that glad that Huan didn't say any words because Dan did such a good job. So it was like. Huan said his last words. And I was like, yes, there's no words. <laughs> Luthien sings a song. Yes, there's no lyrics. <laughs> I, I like reading descriptions. That's, that's yeah. what I'm all about. Well, listen to the description of the song. Um, she wove two themes of words of the sorrow of the Eldar and the grief of men of the two yeah. kindreds that were made by Luvatar to dwell in Arda, the kingdom of Earth, Amid the innumerable stars. And this to me captures, gosh, I wonder if this is a connection to the music of the Ainur too, because that's what I was thinking. This this captures like the story of men and elves. It's just sorrow and grief for the most part. Yeah. And she weaves them together like a like another theme. Yeah. Like a mashup. (laughs) Yep. It's like this version I've heard where it's like um the remix. E40's tell me when to go with come on Eileen. <coughs> it's really good. Yeah, I think there was a song in Titanic that was really sad. Hmm. Was there? Oh, yeah. that's another mashup I like. On. It's um, huh. My Heart Will Go On with 
um what's that one by hillsong um the one by hillsong hosanna hosanna yeah that's the that's the one by hillsong. oh really hosanna and my heart will go on makes a great mashup oh so you sing one part of the song and then you jump to an, another part of the other song mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay interesting yeah it resolves into hosanna yeah right oh yeah, okay yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. That's good. You guys are smart. That must be exactly what Luthien's song was like. Yeah. Which which of those is elves? Titanic or Hillsong? Good Titanic. question. Titanic. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely. The elves Celine. are like uh, Rose's Canadians. family, like the high class society. They look <laughs> down on all the men at the bottom deck. And Jack's and his buddy are like the men who like come and they're not supposed to really be there and they weren't there first, but it's about these two love stories. It is, it, it was the original Baron and Luthien story. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. It is by talking. <laughs> Mr. Cameron, not the, not the film, Cameron. not the film, the actual sinking of Titanic. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The- I thought it was a documentary. Hmm. By James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else stick out to you guys? So much. I love that um, Baron's hand is incorrupt inside Karkaroth's stomach. <laughs> like, but then it like it's, dissolves or something. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, uh, I, I wonder like if it's because away. of the Silmaril. It's like gripping the Silmaril, yeah. so it just stays intact. And then yeah. as soon as like it's removed, it just dissolves into nothingness. I think I imagined it like how... Um, Sauron's hand dissolves after it gets chopped off. Oh yeah, he, this is this is okay. I'm gonna anger some people here, but this is such a Catholic thing from Tolkien, the incorruptible <laughs> relic. Oh yeah, you know, totally. Like our obsession with body parts and <laughs> like of saints and stuff. And yeah. I've never seen an incorruptible saint, but I've heard that a lot of them. It's like, eh, it's a little corrupted, or it looks kind of waxy. Yeah. There are some more solid instances than others, for sure. Yeah. Although yeah, there's, there's saints like Charbel who oozed like a liquid for like a decade or something. He oozed like an oil. Uh, I've been doing that for Ooh. like. Yeah. He he destroyed. <laughs> so this is the strange thing about him is he destroyed several wooden caskets. Really? Like, they because kept the oil that was coming out of his body. They just kept rotting around him, but he remained like. Was it fresh. olive oil? I don't know what it was. But perfume i i don't know what it was obviously yeah, that's weird who's that yeah. ooze uh guy from power rangers mr <laughs> ooze or something what's his name i think that's the right yeah. from the movie from the yeah movie? yeah dr ooze or something i confess and please don't hurt me to our listeners at home i've not watched the power rangers movie i'm but sorry you've read the book letting everyone down yeah <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. One incorruptibles. More, incorruptibles. One more. Okay. One more thing. The section well, here too. The, well, the cool thing about it is, it's not just a hand in there. It's, it's an. Well, it's it's the arm, right? Or just the hand? Like the wrist and the hand. The yeah. wrist. So it's there when the in in the insides of Karkaroth, which has been consumed by flame, right? Right. The, like his insides are completely demolished, and no more. But his hand is still there, gripping the Silmaril. It's a cool image. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. It's also cool just how he <laughs> how he reveals the quest 
and his vow to think um thingle um like it's it's in my hand like i've got the silmaril in my hand and then like he's got his left hand up which is empty and then he pulls up his other arm which there's no hand here's a question yeah, did he was that fun. his vow to like bring the silmaril in his hand wasn't there something about his hand and yeah his original i think he said promise? by my hand i will bring it to you or something like that he I don't remember exactly what he okay, said. Okay, that was I do have a question and maybe our listeners will know the answer to this, but did he not realize that he didn't have it? He's like, "Oh, look at here here it is." Slowly opens his hand. No, I think he's saying it's in my hand, like it literally is in my hand, which also happens to be in the belly of a beast. Oh, but, um it is see. in my hand, I promise you that. Um it's not in this hand. And this oh, I see. there's no he hand was, here. He was kind of like it was kind of it's like a, a joke. Yeah, it was like yeah. a play on words. Like, yeah. it's in my hand. Yeah. Oh, and wait, this one. And then empty like, handed, which. Yeah. Cam lost. Yeah. Good name. Good name for Cameron. Yeah, check out our YouTube. Cam lost. It's a good nickname. Yeah. Um. So, speaking of that, that's. I, this is kind of a funny part. An image for me is. Uh, Baron's pretty much mortally wounded and laying there and Moblin puts the ha- the Sumeril back in Baron's good hand. Mm-hmm. And he's aroused by the touch of it and gives it to Thingol. See, I'm just picturing him just like passed out near death yeah. and it it's like put in his hand and he's like, oh, here it is. Here, Thingol. Yeah. Quest achieved. Quest achieved and then just like passes out into oblivion. Which is, you know, quest achieved. That's what I say to my wife whenever she asks me to do something, I do it. <laughs> Did you see that image of uh, the James Webb telescope where there's like mm. a galaxy that looks like a question mark? No. Oh, really? That's cool. The Riddler it added again. Our universe is a simulation and there's some quest un- to unlock over there. Interesting. What's it called? Uh, I think if you just search James Webb question mark, you'll find what I'm talking about. <coughs> mm-hmm. The universe's our, quest has not been achieved for our yet. YouTube audience here. Sure. Uh, any I think, last you know what? I, I think this it's not even that cool. I think we've kind of uh, well, the Catholic, well, you, already, just, you already talked it up, so I'm gonna put it up here. You did. The um, I, I it's also definitely what? just kind of pointing to us what no yeah check out our no. youtube channel how that's really where they is think it maybe it's two two uh galaxies that are merging or something <laughs> but from our perspective it, looks like it just looks like a question, question mark. mark it looks like a, a question mark and a font i would use <laughs> Uh, we're totally disgracing Baron and Luthien with this nonsense. Yeah, we are. Yeah, they yeah, deserve, yeah, yeah. They deserve better banter than this. They yeah. do deserve better banter. Than okay, this. Greg, take it away. I have nothing better than that. I, okay. <laughs> okay, Cam, take it away. All right. If you like what you hear, <laughs> do, do you have I do anything think, else? I do, I do think people in? should like join our Discord to discuss this further because I think there is so much. There's it's so such much, a rich yeah. story, and we we can't really talk about everything, but. It is just, it's a fitting end, this whole thing. It's a good story. So I guess that's the end of our podcast, huh? We're not 
We're not going to record anymore after this. Actually, I realized that the book, if you turn the page. Oh, yeah. It has There's a 188. More. Page 188. Ooh. There's actually more. And if Wait. you keep flipping the pages, oh, it goes to like... about 304. Oh, yeah. Oops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So, cliffhanger. <clears throat> um, you heard it here first. Baron and Luthien is not the end of the Silmarillion. If you like what you hear, go ahead and rate us three Silmarils out of three. Follow us everywhere at Before the Fellowship. Join the discussion on Discord and send any comments or questions to Greg at BeforeTheFellowship at gmail.com. Join us next week as we read the greatest story you've never heard, The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. Before... <laughs> How many words do I have to read today? <laughs> How do you pronounce that word? Before Tolkien B- has some weird B4. words. It's like B and then the number four. Oh, yeah. like before tide. No. <laughs> <laughs>